Under the Influence Podcast is all about bringing together brands, influencers, thought leaders, and communities to inspire and empower a positive impact. Each week, I will dive into the power of influence over the ever-changing, trend-chasing, and slightly obsessed entrepreneurial and influencer community. We talk insider tips, tricks, the latest buzz, and even our top not-so-secret happy hour cocktails. My name is Whitney Eckes. I'm the owner and founder of Eckes Marketing and the Influence Movement. And we are about to get under the influence. Well, this is so cool. So this is our first filming ever for Under the Influence podcast. I'm so excited to have the sisters of the Cotto here and on. And being in their amazing space, I remember when I first even saw you guys on Instagram, it was just this amazing branding. It was green, it was yellow with these like coral colors. And then all of a sudden you guys are like, yeah, we're launching an avocado museum. (laughs) So tell us about that. Let me first say your names. Anne Buner and Mary Carr, you guys are sisters and you guys came up with this amazing idea. And you also have this awesome, awesome storytelling branding agency, correct? Yes, exactly. So tell us first, you know, how did you guys even come up with this concept? Yeah, it's a good question. It all started two years ago. I had moved back here to Encinitas from LA. We're both born and bred in Encinitas and Mm -hmm. had been to these other pop-up experiences that were happening. And we both noticed that it was such a trend at that time that was just beginning. We started talking about it and just noticed, okay, they're really beautiful, great for Instagram, but they're really saturated in these major cities. Mm -hmm. And there's also more of an opportunity to tell a deeper story than just photo backdrops and incorporate some learning and education. So that really just started us brainstorming over lunch and kind of talking through if we were to do something, what could it be? And you said this was over avocado toast, right? It was. We (laughs) happen to be eating avocado toast, which may have influenced (laughs) our brainstorm. But we're like, if we created something, we knew we wanted it to have layers of a story to tell. And we quickly landed on avocados because it does have those layers and it represents San Diego where we're from. Such a true representation of San Diego. And you were even telling me that San Diego is like the number one grower or the most, most the largest growing region in the state. Yeah, I I know. And I was kind of even like, well, what about like, you know, like all the farming area, like out in El Centro or something like that. And you're like, yeah, it's San Diego, which is very surprising. Yeah. So I I love that. It's interesting too. So San Diego has the most small farms of anywhere in the country, I think. Wow. Yeah. So most people don't think about San Diego for agriculture, but we're a hot spot. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember, I know my dad's obsessed with avocado trees and I know that a lot of people like that's the thing. Like if you're from San Diego natively and you have a little bit of property, right? Like I kind of told you guys, I grew up in Alpine. So if you have a little bit of property, you kind of want an avocado tree. Like that's like the goal. Yeah. It's a must. (laughs) I'll take one. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Okay. So you guys came up with this amazing concept. Let's dive a little bit deeper into it. You guys did all the branding and aesthetic work for for the Cotto and you have this agency as well. So, I mean, is this, did you guys go to school for this? How did you, how were you able to come up with all that? That's a really good question. So we both have different creative backgrounds. My background, I guess, is in storytelling. I have a decade of experience 
over that in the agency world. I forget how old I am sometimes. <laughs> but really, uh, I was a creative writing major in college. And so I've always loved thinking about new ways to frame a story and to tell stories. And I got my start first in PR. And then it was around the time when social media started to become a thing. And it was a really fun point because it was really pioneering, like, how do brands use social media? Yeah. So it's just on the cusp. And it was a lot of like explaining what a Facebook business page was and Twitter <laughs> and how it could benefit businesses and right. um, seeing it as a whole new platform to tell a story and to connect directly with people and involve people in the telling of the stories. So that grew. Got a lot of great experience telling stories in different ways and had been fascinated with how we tell a story through experience and like actually yeah. like live one. Absolutely. And I, I do want to dive into that because you guys did leverage social media quite a bit, right? To promote the opening of the Cotto and even to promote, you know, the story and the branding behind it. And again, I mean, that was the first thing that caught my eye when you guys really first started. I can't remember how I found your Instagram, <laughs> but I found your Instagram and I remember it was just so you teased it so well by only showing like little parts and textures of the logo mm -hmm. or of the actual avocado itself. And then you, I think even in the bio, it said there's something exciting coming to San Diego yeah. or something. Something's ripening yeah. soon. I was, I was going to say, I'm sure there's an avocado pun somewhere in there, but I can't remember exactly what it is. We had but a lot of fun with figuring out how to tease that and set <laughs> it up. And we can't take full credit, like personally for all the branding. We worked with this amazing designer, uh, Christy from Alternating Current who's out of LA. And okay. she was one of our first calls when we had this concept of like, we need to team up with someone to, to help us get the right logo, the right colors, mm, yeah. because we knew what we wanted at a very high level. And she helped us both get on the same page and develop something that was just right. So what was the first step? You guys are sitting there having avocado toast and you're like, we want to we want to open a museum and this amazing pop up that actually tells the story, a very fitting story for San Diego. Mm -hmm. What what was the first thing you did? I know you talked about branding, but how did yeah. you like where do you even start that? How do you start that? It honestly started with brainstorming what that experience was going to mm -hmm. be. Okay. and walking through, okay, what are the key takeaways we want people to have? What is that core message? And then how does that work in an actual experience? So literally after the idea over lunch, we went home and I, you ditched work. I said, I need to go work from home the rest of the day. <laughs> yes. <We> just, <laughs> it was just in our brains. We needed to get it out. And just within 48 hours, we stayed up late into the evenings, kind of planning out what that experience was going to be, and then listing out what kind of partners we needed to bring on board. And speaking of partners, there's a very special partner that it actually recorded the whole entire walkthrough, right? So we have all these amazing cassette tapes and I mean, the, the Walkman, right? Yes. Yeah, you I almost it. called it the wrong thing. And I was like, we were just laughing about this. It's great. So you actually had someone very special record the storytelling and all the fun facts. We were able to partner with Jason Mraz to... Uh, mic drop. There it is. <laughs> Songwriter, avocado grower avocado locally. Grower. Really? Yeah. Yes. In yeah. San Diego? In San Diego. Stop it. He is a huge supporter of agriculture and arts in San Diego, obviously, as well as being a singer. 
So he was okay. really the only person we knew we wanted to be the voice. Yeah. And wow. when people come to the cotter, they get the Walkman. They come up to this wall behind us, actually, take a cassette tape out of the wall. They pop it in, put the yeah. headphones on, and they get to hear Jason Mraz really school them on how avocados grow from tree to I toast in California. From tree to toast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's only the first portion of the event is the audio guide because okay. we really played around actually with do we do it throughout the whole thing or mm -hmm. is it just part of it? And we came to the conclusion that we wanted people to also be able to connect with each other. Yeah. So we said, okay, there's a part, headphones off. Now we have to interact with what's around us and with people. So tell us a little bit about the whole flow. So you guys said that you wanted to share the storytelling aspect, yeah. but it also needed to have an Instagrammable moment and people needed to kind of be able to interact with it. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the exhibits within here. Sure. So it really starts at the door. Okay. People it does. There's even a little <laughs> avocado stamped outside. It's yes. pretty cute. Yeah. A little avocado on the sidewalk. And we have a sign out there that says your journey starts here. And we just kind of give an overview to explain what to expect. They come into this first room, kind of explore around, take photos. We have, you know, a pink wall, which no one can resist. <laughs> um, and yeah, from there, it starts with that cassette and Jason explaining the growing process. And starting with the growing process was really important to us um, to honor the farmers and the growers. And then from there, they're actually trained transported as a little surprise element into the next room. I'm excited to, I mean, they, you guys, they put me on suspense here. They didn't let me do the <laughs> tour. I'm sitting here and they're talking about all this fun stuff and I've only seen Instagram. So I'm like jumping to see what's behind <laughs> these walls. So I, okay. So then they transport you to yeah. the next thing. And I mean, and then continue. You, the next room is called our ripe room. So the ripe room. Yes. <laughs> you start on the outside of the avocado against the skin and along the wall, your goal is to feel find what feels like a ripe avocado. So you press against the wall. No. And each part has a different density level to represent stages of ripeness. So we have everybody feel and guess which part they think is what a ripe avocado feels like. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is like the true testament to uh, being like a San Diego <laughs> right? person yes. or being in the San Diego community, right? That's like everyone goes through that. How do you guys tell? How do you tell when it's ripe? Is there like a, is there a secret? Is there a tip? I mean, they really just say it should be a gentle give. A so gentle when you hold give. it okay. and just like barely in your palm, press okay. against it. it should, <laughs> just a nice gentle, just a gentle give. Gentle give. <laughs> yes. Not too squishy, not too hard. Well, okay. I know the brown bag trick, but I guess I think that That'll also speed it up. That speeds it up, yep. right? Because it's like all the just the ripening agents, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> it kind of keeps it yeah, contained. I was say chemicals. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So that's, so that's amazing. So you have this full ripe room mm -hmm. and then where do we Yes. Go? And then once everyone's placed their bets, there's also a prize involved for whoever gets it right. Oh my gosh. And then we enter the inside of the avocado. So we go from the outside in <laughs> and we have there probably our most like epic visual installation called the ombre enclave where you walk around and we bring to life that gorgeous ombre color gradient of the fruit. I feel like I have seen that one and that one is pretty Instagrammable and yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. And I've even seen a couple of different bloggers that have come in that really, really do some cool shots with it. Yes. Yeah. So that's definitely our like 
shot where everybody stops and takes a photo. That's the moment. That, yes. That's the moment. We do talk before they enter. We brief them on what they're about to get into and the nutrition portion of okay. avocados. Because the ombre enclave was actually inspired by our favorite nutrition facts. The most nutrient-dense part of the avocado is the darkest green right underneath the peel. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's why we wanted to celebrate that color gradient. Yeah. Okay. So it's not all the good kind of yellowy, super soft part. It's actually right along the peel. Yeah. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then we have uh, across from there, our pit stop. So we go all the way to the center of the fruit. These names are killing me. Right. It's so great. <laughs> yes, I and love it. That acts as a little lounge area. And the installation itself is like a dome shape and it's covered with material that's dyed with dye extracted from avocado pits. Wow. Yeah. So literally everything inside of here is intentionally built or created to really share the story of the avocado. Yes. Yeah. So, that is amazing. Yeah. I, I think... That is something that because we planned it all out right away and it came from this place of wanting to bring people through a journey of the avocado that led to a lot of intentionality. That is so amazing. And then just yeah. to finish yeah. up quickly. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, I'm like, like over here like, I want to go. Like, let's finish this yes. interview. I'm ready. I know. <laughs> so once you journey through the fruit in that way, uh -huh. the second portion is much more of a traditional museum section. So okay. Hass Hall is the next room where it really tells the story of the Mother Hass tree okay. and how Hass avocados all came to be. And give, can you give us like a little, like give us a little drop of knowledge. Well, you want to? Sure. I'm like, which drop? I, I don't know. know. There's, There's so, so many. Much. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the Haas family, it's actually pretty fascinating. This guy, Rudolph Haas uh -huh. is his name. He and his wife, Elizabeth, drove a Model T Ford back in 1923 from Milwaukee all the way to Los Angeles because they had heard about this avocado crop and just wanted to try their hand at growing. Wow. And so, and he was the one that discovered the Haas avocado that we now know today and we love today. That is, and the, and the Haas avocado is a little bit bigger, isn't it? Isn't it a little bit bigger or no? Is that a misconception? Um, the size isn't as much of a differentiator. Okay. Really the difference is it has a higher oil content. Oh. So that makes it creamier. Okay. Some of the other avocados can get a little bit watery. Okay. And it also has a tougher, thicker skin, which makes it better to distribute to the masses. That's wow. re what really brought it to the general market. So did he bring it back to Milwaukee? No, he stayed in La Habra Heights, oh, actually. Oh, he yeah. stayed here. Okay. Yeah, he did. And... 90 something percent of the avocados that we grow and eat in California are mm -hmm. Hass. So yeah. most people, like if they picture an avocado, it'll be a Hass avocado typically if you're buying them from the grocery store. I mean, I think that you have like now, like we see like four different versions of avocados and I think I just go after the really big ones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping those are the Hass avocados. I'm going to have to do a little research now when I walk into the grocery store next time. But that's so interesting. I didn't know that they literally drew, drove all the way out yeah. here. Yeah and just started farming. Yeah. That's insane. So tell me a little bit, you guys, about where this passion came from. I mean, mm -hmm. I know you kind of came up with this idea and you really had a love for it, but what kept you, what was the passion that kept you guys going? I mean, mm -hmm. this must have taken some time 
and really, you know, needed to be developed. So where did, where does all that come from? I think a lot of different areas. As Anne mentioned before, we both come from creative backgrounds and just storytelling in general is a huge passion of ours. Yeah. And something like the Cotto, where we both saw the vision so clearly, mm -hmm. that's really what drove us and kept us going. And apart from that, I think just being in it together, honestly, <laughs> we have really complementary strengths. So our bad days are completely different. And because of that, we were able to kind of persevere through the ups and the downs and um, just remind each other why we're here and why we're telling this story and that there are even more stories we want to tell in yeah. the future. Yeah. So I want to kind of touch on that a little bit. Well, so you guys are closing in September, something that we did want to kind of touch on. So if you guys haven't been, you need to like come here right now because <laughs> again, I'm so excited. I can't wait to go on the tour. And, but you know, is there going to be another pop-up? Is it going to be a permanent home? Is there something in the works that you're allowed to share? I wish we could just <laughs> peel back the curtain entirely and divulge, but we're not ready to yet. Okay. We are in like a pivotal point of discussions and decisions on a number of possibilities. So stay tuned. There will be news. Stay tuned. I'm so excited. I think it's so perfect. And I love what you guys are doing. So yeah, let's dive into the business side of this. So you guys are both entrepreneurs. I talked about you guys have your own agency and obviously the Cotto. So tell me, you know, what was your biggest struggle starting this business in a museum business, which I feel like you know, like we, I think the only museum business that I've really seen besides you guys was like maybe the ice cream museum that was like here and gone within five seconds in LA. Mm -hmm. So tell us, you know, what was the biggest struggle that you guys encountered as entrepreneurs? That's a really good question because we had a lot of challenges. Okay. And I think that's common for entrepreneurs, but mm -hmm. when you're in it, it feels like... It feels like it's the end of the world. You're in it. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. everything's lit on fire and again, it's fine. Totally. It's fine. <laughs> you know, we were, t we've talked about this a lot and kind of like reflecting on our journey because this is two years in the making. So it didn't yeah. happen overnight for us. We started very quickly and yeah, worked quickly. We got things together. We formed our business. Um, we, we were very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We were. Which is, I mean- And you need that. You need that. As, even as someone that's looking to start their own business or launch their own brand, you know, that's such a good, that shows yes. your ambition, right? It exactly. It shows that you're ready for it. If you don't have that, you're never gonna be sustained no. through well, yeah. and everything. You need a positive, almost yeah. outlook because you're right, business is hard. We were, I was actually just talking to a friend about it today and I was like, like if you don't have a positive outlook, if you're not used to, what do they call it? That resiliency? Yes. Yep. The ability to just kind of take hits and flow with mm -hmm. whatever comes your way. It's not your gig. It's going to be hard road yeah. for you. <laughs> I would say one of the first challenges that we encountered. So when it comes to the business side and the branding and the marketing, we, we were fairly competent in that, yeah. but our original plan, we decided to just go for the dream project rather than thinking about like a beta version or something. Oh, we okay. said, what is the best possible thing we can create and set out to do that right away, which okay. is wonderful. And why wouldn't you want to do that? 100%. But we, our original plan was to build a structure out of shipping containers 16 shipping containers to create like a 6,700 square foot structure that 
that would be mobile. So it was going to be the largest mobile structure to ever be created. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and out of shipping containers. Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. That is, that is very ambitious. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and honestly, it was really exciting. So we assembled the right team yeah. of experts and really started down that path. I think one of the challenges neither of us have experience in construction. Mm. And so it presented a whole different language, a whole different type of people mm. to work with, <laughs> different kinds of contracts than we were used yeah. to dealing with. And just behind the scenes of all of that was one of our biggest challenges and biggest yeah. learnings Absolutely. for sure. Yep. But then you came to this space. Yes. So as we got into it, we realized, okay, this probably isn't feasible for where we are right now, just mm -hmm. in terms of uh, timeline, in terms of yeah. budget, the scope really grew as we got into it. And so we had to make a tough call of like, okay, this yeah. may not be feasible for us right now. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we really, at that point, to be completely transparent, we had already started selling tickets. Mm -hmm. We were really down that path. So we had a lot of decisions to make of, first of all, okay, what's our communication with, you know, attendees yeah. that have already gotten excited and put their money toward this? What's our communication to all our sponsors and partners and, yeah, just other contractors? Yeah. There were a lot of decisions and people that were going to be affected. So we, you know, took a step back it really grew our ability to communicate with each other and work through each of those decisions one by one. And ultimately, we were able to come up with a plan that we both felt really good about. And we were able to just refund everybody's tickets even before <laughs> sending out well, that well, communication. That's, that's got to be a very hard thing for both of you to go through. And also, yeah. you know, I mean, you guys have put so much work into something to kind of tell your audience, hey, look, we do need to take a step back or we, it's just not, it's not ripe enough yet. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. And, you know, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's probably an, a crazy struggle, right? But, and then you guys had such a vision and it's clearly come to life in such a beautiful way that it, it was, it was needed. Yes. And ultimately we are really, really grateful yeah. for that experience because it humbled us mm -hmm. in a way that we really needed to be humbled, <laughs> honestly, yeah. you know, and I think going into this version, it was even, we were even more grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And it was sobering and it was rewarding. And we ultimately had clearer heads, I think, going into it. And to add on to that in terms of learning, right? I think every challenge we face is also a learning opportunity, which sounds so cheesy, but it was refining in that yeah. way where it's like, oh, next time we'll do it very differently. But one thing <laughs> that I'm proud of the way that we handled and I think worked very well for us was transparency. Yeah. So as things were happening, making the decision to be transparent about it, both with our audience to the extent that it was appropriate. And then with our partners too, of just saying like, here's where we're at. We want to include you in the journey. Yeah. And so keeping people involved and working together towards like that final 
project, which was just a little longer of a timeline and looks a little different than originally planned. And I think that's like for those of everyone that's listening and watching right now, that's such a major, major, major takeaway in business. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, especially as young entrepreneurs or people just starting out, there's this perception where you have this brand, it's your baby, everything, you need everything to be perfect. You know, I, I love that you guys were transparent with your community and with the audience. And I think that shows a lot about the true character, not only of you too, but also the Kato and the brand itself, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that actually speaks more volume than anything else, you know, besides putting something up perfect and besides sure, rushing through right. it or what, it's not being perfect. And then people don't have this amazing experience or relationship that yeah. I'm sure that they've cultivated with you too. So I love that. I think that's amazing. Absolutely. So I want to talk social media. And of course, this amazing influencer trend that all these businesses are experiencing. Tell us how, you know, why did you guys take to social media to blow this up? I mean, what, what was the kind of thinking behind that? Obviously, you know, we see this as a huge trend with businesses right now. But why did you guys decide to take that path? Honestly, it kind of felt we didn't really consider much else. Yeah. It just felt like the right path and the right time. And with Anne's experience and background also, um, being in social and overseeing content um, at an agency, it was really where we felt comfortable. Yeah. And I think to add on to that, one, it is pretty cost effective to reach a wider audience. And two, the trend of these pop-ups is incredibly visual and it's popular on Instagram and that's where people are discovering them and finding them and able to fall in love with a brand before we even had an event. Well, and I think, you know, kind of going off that, that's such a new way of marketing, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we, I went to school for business and communications and somewhere in the middle of that, there Mm -hmm. was marketing, but you know, we, we had always been taught that the marketing was this black and white thing. It Mm. was hard cold numbers. It was a hard ROI. It was putting money in and getting more out. And nowadays you're actually seeing people move a bigger needle by having this experience with a brand, by being able to, you know, curate their own content and share it with their mm-hmm. audience. And you're right, it is an extreme, it is extremely cost effective, but it also, it's almost like it's more valuable. It is, definitely. I think it can be. Yes. You it know? can be. If <laughs> yeah. it, it, it done right. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You do it the right way. Sometimes it feels like uncomfortable, but people can sniff out now, like, Yeah. So tell me about that. You mean, you guys clearly have had influencers come in here and curate Mm -hmm. content. What do you think about this whole influencer trend? That's such an interesting question. Listen, people have said they've hated it. They loved it on the show. We're we're all open ears (laughs) here. I don't know if I love it or hate it because it just is, you know, and I think I really appreciate that there's an opportunity for people to have a platform, to have a vision, to have a voice, to express their artistry, to stand for something, whether it's a cause or just their love of certain products or ways of doing something. I think that's really amazing. I also think that like when you give yourself the title influencer, it needs to come with great responsibility because that's a big (laughs) word. It's intimidating. I love that you just said that. Amen. Yes. And it's really a big choice. It's choosing almost a career path. Oh, 100%. The amount of time, the amount of effort, the amount of strategy mm-hmm. that goes into something like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I'm in awe of people who are influencers. Right? Like how they 
get up every day and they have to create content, mm -hmm. just like crank that out 24 seven. Oh, yeah. And they have to look at their life through two different lenses, mm -hmm. like one, just their own personal connection to the people around them. And then the other side of it is like how they're connecting with their audience. So it really is, you know, and I think too, you guys understand it because you're, you know, you have them coming in and you're watching them. And obviously you've had a couple come in and experience Akato. Yeah. I understand it because we work with them. And I think there is such a huge you know, disconnect of what exactly they're having to put forth and the time and energy. And not necessarily that this is something that maybe, I mean, I'm sure it takes some of them, you know, 15, 20 hour days, but it's the mental capacity. Yes. It's the yeah. constantly yes. being on, constantly being put forth to be creative and then being evaluated off it, which is very interesting. So I, I completely agree. And I, you know, I love that you guys too kind of created something where people that aren't just influencers can come and share on their own platform. You know, it's been fun. I think, well, side note, I also think like influencer is a scalable word because everyone Very. has influence over something. So what has been one of the biggest wonderful surprises is the variety of age groups that have come in and love the Cotto. I love that. So yeah. is there like one consumer persona here or are we a little general? Tell okay. me about it. We've tried multiple times to find patterns, but it's pretty well distributed. Oh, I we've, mean, everyone loves avocados. Yeah, we yeah. thought from the start like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is probably just like millennials are target. Yeah. You know, those are the people who would appreciate right. it. We'll pull them in with Instagram, but then we'll make them learn something when they leave. <laughs> Yeah. So it can't be a vapid experience. We'll, we'll make Not them that learn it was, how to use a Walkman. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. You must appreciate your avocados before you <laughs> eat them next time. Yes. Um, but yes, millennials have enjoyed it. But like all ages, like grandparents have come Aww. in and have been so sweet. And they've heard about it from their friends on Facebook. Yes, job. Yeah. So grandparents are influencers too. Hell yeah. yeah. Get it on that Facebook community though. Yes. yes. Seriously. Yeah. But it's been fun because I think, you know, different ages appreciate different aspects mm -hmm. of the Cotto. So for example, somebody I, that I'm putting in the grandparent category, um, <laughs> I, you know, they really, really appreciate the education yeah. side of it. And they are fascinated by the Instagram totally. side of it. Like some understand it, some don't, mm -hmm. but they're, they're really fascinated because they learn so much. And then we have other people who come in that their eyes start to glaze over a little bit during the educational parts, but they're just like ready to get their shot. So it really spans the gamut. Wow. wow. And I, I, I think that maybe, you know, that you guys did, you hit it on both parts, right? Mm -hmm. On the educational aspect, on the creative aspect. I feel like I keep turning this way because I'm so You're eager. Like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Ready, I'm ready to go. I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm turned toward the camera. Right. <laughs> we told Whitney at the beginning, we're like, we're going to leave you in suspense, just like your audience. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so let's talk about social media. Where do you guys see this going? I mean, now we are fully in this digital age and digital space. It's information overload. You know, we're seeing businesses literally be cropped on Instagram, on Facebook, mm -hmm. on Pinterest. Where do you guys see all this going? Well, there's definitely a shift toward more authentic 
content. Absolutely. Um, especially with the rise of Instagram stories. I think businesses are really taking advantage of that in a really good way. And especially uh, Gen Z is very good at sniffing out what's inauthentic. Oh, yeah. So I think that's kind of the buzzword going around and something that I'm excited to see happen. Absolutely. And along with the authenticity, I see uh, people becoming more aware of the amount of social media use that, <sighs> like how much time they're spending. Our little, yeah, our yeah. little iPhone timers, and right? Now we can set timers. And I think like as technology progresses, there's going to be ways to optimize what is good for you personally and start to really like gauge and personalize your type of social media use so it's healthiest and best for yeah your self-care it you know it really is and it's such an interesting time too you know I was I was laughing because we were talking about my facial sunburn from my UV light and you know it's one of those things too where we're actually seeing you know a lot of mental health issues arise and there's a lot more awareness and education around it and it's it's you know, kind of like this double-edged sword where it's like, there's all this kind of negativity, but there's also all this positivity that's rising with it, right? There's a lot more awareness, a lot more education. People are actually able to connect with people, you know, in a whole different light and reach, reach new communities and audiences easier than ever. Mm -hmm. So it's, it is, it's a very interesting time right now. And it's very cool. I'm kind of with you on it. You know, I get questions all day, like all the time where people are like, Our Instagram, is it going to just like shut down one day? Is it going to be like the apocalypse? Like, is it just not going to happen? And, you know, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what the next steps are. If it's not Instagram, there'll be something else. Yeah. I know. Right. (laughs) I, it's, we're going through again. I feel like I always say this on the podcast and our poor listeners hear me talk about all the time, but there's like another change, another security update. And it's just been I mean, it's been overwhelming. And, you know, we run all these client accounts. We yeah. run brands. And now we're even starting to help these personal brands really rise, you know, and elevate their own business. And it is so hard being kind of manhandled or, you know, just kind of having to play into something that you can't control. And so the digital space is, you know, it's just kind of the wild, wild west right now. It's a little all over the place. Yeah. And I think like to set yourself up for the best possible chance at it is like, it's important to start with knowing who you are, whether it's like your personal brand or a brand and starting from there. Right. Yeah. So as you're creating content, it flows out naturally because you already have a strong sense of identity. And so as new technologies develop, then you're able to evolve with that. And that's just the learning part. You gave such a good piece. That was such a good tip. And I, you know, it's funny is I heard someone talk about this recently and they said, the best way to start a personal brand is literally from you Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you're never going to run out of anything. Yes. Because it stems from you. Exactly. That was beautifully said. Awesome. So let's dive into some rapid fire. I love doing this at the very end (laughs) because now you're warmed up to me and we've had all this fun time together. So we're going to start with your guys' favorite cocktail or mocktail. Hmm. I mean, depends on the time of year, but I can always, <laughs> always go for a gin and tonic. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite kind of gin? I love Sunday gin. Oh, my gosh. From you and yours? Yes. Yes, it's girl. amazing. <laughs> Shout out to you and yours. They're the greatest. Yes. They're awesome. I always love trying a new cocktail, so I don't okay. really have a go-to. Oh, you're just like out there. You just try anything. You're <laughs> adventurous. sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Something in like 
the vodka gin, Realm? maybe tequila. Maybe to find feeling adventurous. And makes a mean watermelon margarita. Mm-hmm. Oh, you tell me, tell me, give me the rest. Pool of- party at my house. Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> it goes really well on a floaty in the pool. Mm-hmm. Fresh watermelon, throw in a little bit of coconut milk. Um, coconut ice. milk, not coconut water. Correct. A wow. little coconut milk, so it adds a creamy factor. Okay. With a ton of fresh watermelon, tequila, and lime juice. Blend it all up, and it's to die for. Oh, my gosh. Do you ever put, like, tahine around the rim? Because that's my that's my go-to for any margarita. I got to have the tahine. No, but we need to. I, let's, Done. let's do it. It's we'll the perfect addition. Yes. Let's I do it. it. Perfect. Great. Okay, what about your favorite Instagram to stalk? I am obsessed with um, Ann Street Studio, Jamie Beck's Instagram. She is a photographer living in Provence in France and just makes the dreamiest portraits. Oh my gosh. They look like paintings. It's really so inspiring. She And she oh. tells her story really, really well. Oh, so I love, love her. Love that. Yeah. I'm going to be annoying, but I don't have a favorite Instagram to stop. <laughs> I'm such a browser. where It's, I, it's the Cotto. I love to go down a rabbit trail. I love a good rabbit trail. Oh, man. it You can get lost. I, yes. I even find myself now I'm doing the explore page. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, pretty soon I'm scrolling and it's just all like recipes of like French fries <laughs> and like cheese and bread. It's starting oh, to gosh. know you better. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. We started from like kind of some bloggers, yeah. kind of some like puppy photos to now just straight fat kid food. <laughs> you know, recently I have been enjoying stalking a little bit. Sophie Jaffe. Are you oh, familiar with her? Okay, That name sounds familiar, so but she's an influencer in like the wellness space. I would oh, say she's been around a while okay. and she just moved and has this cute little family and she has a podcast with her husband and they talk about relationships. So cute. Yeah. They talk about relationships. They do. And they're super like transparent about their relationship wow. and struggles that they've had. So I how does, how does that. that like how does that work? Like do they like do they talk about like things that they've thought about and mm-hmm. things like that? Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. And they're that transparent, yeah. huh? I love that. I mean, I, I feel like that's so cool. I'm a huge fan of the him and her podcast with mm. uh, Michael Bostick and Lauren Everett's. Yeah. Well, now she's Lauren Everett's Bostick. Oh, yeah. And they're kind of like that. Hmm. They get very, like, they'll talk about, like, I mean, they have, I've heard them kind of talk about, like, their sex life and th- yes, their relationship totally. and how they're in business together and how there's even times where, like, they're like, no, like, we need to separate. Like, we do too much together. Or no, we need to go away together because we've been working in too much in this, like, partner mode. Yeah. yeah. That's a very interesting. I'm going to have to give that a listen. Yes. Cool. Mm-hmm. What about your favorite reality TV show? If you guys watch reality TV. Yeah. Definitely. She goes, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, handful of shows. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big Bachelor fan. You are. You're a batch nation. I am. I'm not going to deny it anymore. (laughs) I just am. I listen to Here to Make Friends, the podcast as well. It's two feminists talking about all things Bachelor. Love it. Um, Also love, what is it? Dating No Filter. Yes. Little I bit. It's it. so funny. <laughs> it's pretty mindless. It's comedians analyzing these people's like first date setups. They set them up yes. on yes. a blind date and then they like do commentary through oh the whole thing. Oh my gosh. And this is called Dating Unfiltered? Dating No Filter. Dating No Filter. Yes. Oh, okay. Highly yeah. recommend. Yeah. I'm, it's <laughs> going to be on when I drive home after this. It's, I love it. Perfect. I like the voice. <laughs> I love that. You said that like you're like... I don't 
know. It's not like very exciting and dramatic, but you it. also love So You Think You Can I, Dance. I love like <laughs> getting to know all the people on the shows <laughs> and I feel like I know them by the end. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I, I get upset with America when they get it wrong. Right. Although I yeah. never vote for them. So. I have no oh right. Oh my gosh, but. I feel like me and you are the same human. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I discovered this show called The Masked Singer. Yes. <laughs> you know it? I do. I love it. And it's so hard because these people literally dress up head to toe yes. in costumes. Yeah. And like you think you know who the celebrity is and it's so wrong. Yes. It's always so wrong. And it, I really do get invested in it. it. Like almost to a scary point. Like I try The Bachelor. I really do. Yeah. And I always start off with like my first five like episodes and I'm there and I'm here for it and then we kind of drop off and that's exactly how I am <laughs> yeah I read the same I human probably <laughs> probably full parties will be great yeah the mass singer <laughs> um also what's that oh Songland, where they write songs oh yeah I like okay that one. isn't there a country sing yeah Kelsey Ballerini they yeah people she wrote been songs on it. for her okay. oh so yes. they write songs okay so I haven't seen it clearly yes. but and then so they write she songs picks the like three songs that she thinks she'd want to record. They get another round and they partner with famous producers who help them like produce the song. And oh so she picks gosh. one at the end to be on her album. Wow. And doesn't it change the singer? Like sometimes yep. it's Kelsey, sometimes it's someone else. Each week's a different yeah. singer. That is so cool. Okay, I'm going to have to watch that one too. Okay, what about somebody that's like your favorite business owner or almost like a business idol to you guys? Mm. Mine is a little bit cliche, but it's Oprah. So <laughs> I, love it. <laughs> I love the empire that yeah. she's built and she's still like very likable and personable mm -hmm. and intentional and very tries intentional. to do a lot of good with her influence that she I has. I love that. You know, it's funny. That's, that's the first time I've ever gotten that, this, mm. that answer on this. Yeah, we're almost 50 episodes deep. No one said Oprah. So I'm not cliche. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not cliche at all. Right. <laughs> nice. I'll, I'll be cl cliche for us <laughs> or I'll try. Actually, I love uh, Jamila Jamil. Okay. Yes. Uh, from The Good Place. I think she's done amazing things with her platform and launching her nonprofit called Iway Foundation, okay. um, which talks about body positivity and mental well, uh, wellness and um, just helping people own who they are. Yeah. Um, she also is just really bold about the way she talks about her beliefs and then also apologizes when she feels <laughs> like she's gone too far sometimes. Aww. So I just appreciate her voice. Wow. I love that. Those are both really, really great answers. Okay. And, uh, you know, we, first off, thank you so much for letting us come into the space and just kind of take over and have this amazing filmed podcast. Like I said, this is like the first one. Oh, so it's super special to we me. We feel privileged we that it's here. Well, I yeah. was like really excited. Like I said, I still am ready for my tour. Like I've been <laughs> wanting to go here for a very long time. Okay. You have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> so this is really special to me, but you guys are so amazing. And what you've created is honestly such an inspiration. Aww. And I, I really can't wait to see what's next with you guys. So we're going to end on this last question. I usually always end on it. But what does influence mean to you? To me, influence means, well, it means you have an audience and a platform, but it also means responsibility. Mm -hmm. I, I love think. that. Can you unpack that responsibility yes. aspect? Because I feel like 
yeah, I want you to just unpack it. Yeah. I'm ready I, for it. I think with this uh, level of influence, and especially if you are a self-proclaimed influencer, it comes with a responsibility of looking at how you're communicating the messages mm -hmm. that you're sending to your audience because you have a choice and you're shaping culture and you're shaping perspectives. Yeah. And so you get to choose how deep you want to go into that, the sort of topics that you cover. But I think it, it has to be so much more than your life as a pretty picture. Yeah. And wow. it just comes with a responsibility of knowing what people on the other end are thinking. And the more that you're creating content, just like every other influencer, the more that that becomes the norm and the standard. And mm -hmm. is that what we want yeah. to be? Absolutely. I love that. And I, I love that you've talked about the responsibility and you both have kind of mentioned that throughout the podcast because it is right. You know, you are impacting people's lives. Yeah. And especially with what we talked about, the awareness and the educational aspect of what social media is and the positive ways that you can impact these people. Mm -hmm. Be responsible, be aware and, you know, do it in a sense of good. I love that. Yeah. I, I think for me, and it kind of goes with this sense of responsibility is ownership. Yeah. So being able to identify, yeah, okay, what is my story? How do I own that? But also own when maybe you've made a mistake or gone down a path you didn't intend. And I think that's something that people respond to even more sometimes than just showing the perfect picture. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. I was just thinking, we were talking earlier about this idea of influence. And I think there can be a lot of pressure once you have formed your story, your personal brand or a brand for a company or anything. And this pressure to be consistent and to never pivot and to never change because that's what people expect of you. But I think my hope is that people feel more of a freedom to be able to evolve wow. and yeah. that that's okay. So that that's part of being an influencer and having influence is knowing that like you get to evolve and change. That's amazing. And I love it. And I loved you both, Anne and Mary. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited for my tour. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you for sharing everything that is, you know, your stories and how you got to really arrive at the Cotto and this amazing project. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank, thank you. you so much. I'm sad this we didn't so get to hear your story in the midst of this. Oh, well, well, at the pool party. It'll yes. be great. <laughs> Some watermelon marks. It'll be great. Oh my gosh. You won't get me to shut up. That's maybe not so great. <laughs> Thanks guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you.